Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. After a dominant win over the Bills last week, the Colts follow that up with a gut-wrenching loss to the Buccaneers in a game they felt like they should have won. There's five games to go. The Colts are 6-6, and now it's on to Houston to battle the Texans in the second meeting between the two AFC South rivals coming up in week number 13. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Inside Football with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, and Rick, that was was an exhausting day of football for the Colts a couple of days ago. The loss to the Bucs uh, unfortunately represents the third time this season the Colts have dropped a game where they've led by double figures only only to come up short. But the Colts played flawlessly in the second quarter, but the third quarter, that was a different story with the turnovers. And then as we talked about, the game really turned on Shaq Barrett's strip sack. And, you know, the Colts were inside the red zone looking to go up by potentially 17 points. But from that point on, the game really changed in, in the Buccaneers' favor as they go on to win by a touchdown. Yeah, you're exactly right, Matt. I was I feel great today. Uh, you know, I don't feel terrible about the loss now because I said all along that you were going to have to win five of seven and you were going to have to win three of five against those good teams. We still got them all in a row. I mean, we you, you know, we're one and one in that category. Uh, we got two or three out of those three games at home. So in my opinion, we're in fine shape when I look at it. I think we're still in control because the rest of the league will come back to us. I don't think there's any question about it. It was exhausting, and this season has been exhausting uh, because it's such roller coasters. I mean, we see greatness. It's like we win a game, we lose a game, we win a game, and we lose a game uh, within the four quarters. I know I went home after the game. By the time I had that hour drive, and I get to my house. I mean, I have a little bit of dinner, and I'm just, like, out cold because it is just so exhausting. And it was deflating at the moment, you know, and being an old defensive coach, when you let them score at the end, it just it kills me as if I was still there doing it, um, no question about it. And it was, you know, it was a tale of two halves, like you said. I mean, it was, uh, uh, you know, a question of playing just great. I have to laugh at all the pundits now, are on Frank about his play selection and the lack of giving it to Taylor. But where were those guys at the end of the first half? No, I mean, when we led, you know, when we were up 24. Can, can we talk about that real quick? Can we talk about that yeah. real quick? Can, oh, can absolutely. We, can we absolutely. put this to bed? Because you got to be game specific. There's no way in hell Todd Bowles right. and Bruce Arians were going to let Jonathan Taylor go off in this game, considering what he did the week before against the Buffalo Bills. They're too good, they're too talented up front. And fans are still talking about on talk radio, they're griping over the fact that Jonathan Taylor didn't run the ball 30 times in this game, Rick. If Taylor runs the ball 30 times against the Buccaneers, the Colts lose by 20. Don't be, don't be mad. Right, don't be mad that the Colts threw it more than they ran it. Be upset and disappointed over the fact that the Colts turned the ball over four times and couldn't get crucial stops on defense. If they don't turn the ball over, they win the game. And then Colts fans are saying, hey, what a great game plan by Frank Reich. They would have won that game by throwing the ball, which they did, again, with precision in the second quarter when they built that 10-point lead. But the turnovers, those were the killer, not the play calling. I think we're talking about the wrong things here. Yeah, and what happens is you whitewash the real reasons for the losses 
but it's it's easier it's easy for pundits who don't really know the X's and O's of a game, don't really understand game specifics. I grew up in an era of real game specifics. I work for the greatest game specific coach in the history of the game who we're going to see in two weeks. I mean, Bill Belichick, I can remember being with him, and we went out, and Cincinnati had a bad run defense, and we, I think we ran the ball 40 times. The next week, he didn't think Pittsburgh could stop a spread, and he spread them 56 times and threw the ball. We won both games at great offensive performances. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, he's considered a genius for game specifics. The other thing that really kind of irks me being a scientist, and I understood, I knew going in, I talked to you, I talked on the pregame, they were going to get in that five-man double sink with the game, with the safety down via back at the nose who makes all the difference in the world. And you can slam a team with numbers. You can take them away. And I knew going in and I knew during the game that they were weak outside the numbers. Their corners are their Achilles heel. Matter of fact, in the first quarter, I'm telling you, Let's let's get working on these corners, right. open it up, and we finally hit the big ball to Doolin. The other total misrepresentation, and that's media jumping on, you know, they're jumping on two things, turnovers and the 26, the 26 passes. Well, first of all, 14 of the passes, 14 of them were in a two-minute drill that was as good a two-minute drill as Johnny Unitas used to run in 58. I mean, we we were flawless 14 times. We threw the ball. We score, and Tom Brady has no time left on the clock in his second quarter. Right, takes you a knee. You couldn't have been better. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking at 12 plays to start the third quarter. Now, let's peel the onion. Three of the 12 plays, four of the 12 plays, we threw the balls to the backs, which I thought was a big thing. I thought that replaced the sweep game. We threw three to Taylor, and we threw one unsuccessful. Now, he made a couple bad throws. We threw an unsuccessful one to Hines, and he had one underthrow of Taylor. But that has nothing to do with the play calling. Then you can argue RPOs if you want to, and I'm not a super RPO guy. I'm a little old school. But they believe in it, as Frank said on Monday. And the, then there were four passes to the backs, which are like sweeps. The second four, the RPOs, I mean, people are forgetting three of them were successful. Three of the passes were successful. He had one incomplete out of, and they were for substantially more than five. And then two plays were disastrous. Two, one was the long interception, which I don't even think was that disastrous because right. it's like a punt. But the sack fumble did change the game. So those are the ten plays which are on either first and second, first down and ten, or second and five or less. I call those unknown unknown downs because if you're second and twenty. Taylor's not going to run the ball. You're second and 15. Mm -hmm. He's not going to run the ball. You can run impacts. And and those other downs are there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump on that wagon. I think that's an easy out. I think that's captain obvious talking um, in, in not understanding. And if you look at the first half, we couldn't make an inch against that front and that the way they were playing it, we had to loosen them up and we were very, very successful. We were successful Right up until the sack fumble, hundred percent, and then the sack fumble, one hundred percent. Third and eight play yep. by Gronkowski, and the pass interference changed the game because once they got back to twenty-eight to twenty-one, okay, then basically Brady had 
what he felt was important. Now, he had his confidence. He had his mojo back. But and, and the other thing I don't like about centering on those things is that at the, you know, basically turnovers kill you. Turnovers absolutely kill you. There's no question about that. And that's atypical for us. We normally win that battle, everything else. And the other thing is we're not talking about, and they get exempt all the time because we'll center on these things, is our defense has not stopped people in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. We rank number 30, number 30 in giving up points. And when it all came down to it with three minutes to go, you had to stop them, and we didn't even slow them down. They never got to a third down. They ran it right down our throat at the end. We were disorganized on the touchdown. So all those factors beat us, and to center in on those things and to call it 26 instead of 12 is a disservice, really. No. It's a total disservice. And you're talking about that fourth quarter. The Colts this season, it, that's been a problem. They've been outscored it's in the final. It's been a problem. Well, that's, yeah. See, my point there, my point is, is at this point, after 12 games, when you rank 30th, Yep. You can't say, well, Tom Brady does that. No, everybody does yeah. it to us. Okay, when That's why a statistic at sure. this point in the season is truly significant. I'm not, I'm not bringing up that to kill the defensive staff. It just is what it is. We have not, and this has not been who we ha- have been. Sure. We have been a good fourth-quarter defensive team until this year, and this year we can't stop people in crunch town particularly when they need a passing drive to win. Right. Yeah, the, the Colts this season in the fourth quarter have been outscored 114 to 72. The minus 42 differential on points in the fourth quarter ranks 30th and the 114 points allowed to your point ranks 30th as well. So, yeah, again, I I realize the offense turns the ball over four times, but the defense has to compensate and they had been doing a good job of that in the first 11 games, but on Sunday the defense allowed 24 points off turnovers. Again, I get that they were put in some bad spots, but just not enough plays were made. The Bucks got the ball back with three minutes to go with a tie game, Rick, and they moved the ball right down the field, and they didn't face a third down on that go-ahead drive. No, they hit a, they hit, they hit a, a soft out uh, on a soft three in front of Yassine. They hit a check down for 12 yards. I mean, they were in field goal range. I mean, before we could shake a stick, much less run it on in. But, I mean, you know, and, and, it, and it, when you look at it, in the three games that have killed us this year and the three games that get most talked about because they're the double-digit lead games, right, plus right. they're against really good football teams, our defense has given up a ton in the fourth quarter, period, period. And until we fix that, you know, I think the turnovers are an aberration. I don't – that's not going to happen again. Hines is not going to drop a punt. Right. You know, the, the Hail Mary I don't even count. I mean, that's a different entity. The long one, I mean, that's just a throw it up. Sometimes if you're going to throw some deep balls, that's a hell of you know, a play you can too end up Winfield. competing for the ball. So mm-hmm. the two turnovers that kill you was Pasco, who I think is fading. I'd like to see Doolin more in the game, to be honest with you. No disrespect to Zach, but he's just disappeared. And then the biggest play of all, and it was it it was part uh, Fisher and it was part Glowinski because when when Barrett beat him around the edge, and he went to step up, and I didn't see this quite clearly at the game. Glowinski got crushed right back into him. There was no place for him to go. And then, you know, everything happened from there, the three plays I talked about. And so learn from it. I don't think we are not a turnover team offensively. Just learn from it and, and just, just figure out we might have to help 
uh, Fisher a little bit when we get to Judon in New England mm-hmm. or we get to Chris Jones at Arizona. I, you know, I'm always, how do you fix it? It's very easy to identify the problem. It's you, it's you, you got to fix it. Is the, is the key. All right, that's Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, and with a lot of back and forth here so far on Inside Football, the Colts are six and six. Rick, so let's turn the page and uh, let's talk about how the Colts go back over 500. Up next are the Houston Texans, and uh, they've already played the Colts once this season. The Colts came out on top, 31 to three, back in week number six. Uh, Houston two and nine on the season. But they do have a new quarterback now in Tyrod Taylor, who was injured the first time the Colts saw the Texans at Lucas Oil Stadium. And they're playing much better on defense lately. We'll talk about that. They are thriving on takeaways lately. They beat the Titans two weeks ago on the road, but then they follow that up with a home loss to the Jets last Sunday, Rick. So it's kind of hard to make sense of the Texans on the big picture. Well, it is, but I I do think, you know, and again, I think this is one of those games, if we play our A game, and they play their A game, we win. Uh, the way that uh, an upset can happen is if you're flat, if you, if you don't have your A game, and you let them hang on the vine. Now, I expect a tougher game from Houston this time because I think in looking at the tape, you know, and I will give you some statistics that will bear this out, but some of their big-picture statistics are so bad you say to yourself, you know, how the hell could they ever do it? You know, 32nd in scoring, 32nd total offense, passing 31, rush 32. You say, how could this team beat you? Well, here's the, here's the issue. This is a classic team that is still playing hard with Coach Culley. I will give him credit. They have really played hard the last month. You really saw it in Nashville two weeks ago. Now, the other reason that they're more of a threat is they are a different team with Tyrod Taylor. Now, you got to take Sunday's game out of it. Tyrod Taylor had only four starts because of the injury. In the, two, in the four starts that he's had this year, he's had their two and two, two wins, two losses. He also, they have averaged 22-plus points a game when, in fact, their overall average is 14-9. And then number three, they've gained over 300 yards in the four in the five games that no no four out of the five games that he's played this is a very underrated kid he's gone back and forth with different teams but just keep this in mind when you get ready and i i want my team to know this this kid in a career has 10,600 plus yards passing now listen to this his td ratio to picks is 59 tb tds 24 picks He has also run for 1,986 with 19 rushing TDs. This is a kid that is kind of a poor man's Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying that he's that talent, but he's a guy that can stress you with NCAA plays. He can escape. He's not a a stationary target like Mills was in that first game, you know, a rookie. This guy's been around. He's won a lot of games for people. He's just always been considered, because of his stature, that backup guy. That guy can get you through a couple games. Well, that's the problem. He can get you through a couple games. And, you know, teams like this, when they have a few skill guys, they become threats. They've got a couple decent running backs. Um, they, they, they really do. A Burkhead, you know, the ex-Bengal, the ex-Patriot, you know, he's, and we'll get into this, he's kind of a reckless downhill runner. And David Johnson is a very good all-purpose runner-receiver. they got a couple guys there. And then Brandon Cooks, 
is a very, very good receiver. We found that out last time, even though they had nothing to go with him. He still caught nine balls. And, you know, he's having a really good year despite the rest of it. So, you know, now they've got three guys there on offense, or actually four if you put the two running backs together. Now they have a putrid. The the reason that they're losing is their offensive line is horrific, and I'll get into that. That's But, see, sometimes an athlete like this, because he can sprint out, he can run the option, can make you look better. And then overall their defense is better because, you know, and I, I ripped it when we got ready to play him, and they were awful. And Lovey Smith, to his credit, and he's, you know, he's, he runs kind of our system of defense, but he's made a lot of tweaks since that game when they gave up those big chunk mm-hmm. plays on cover two. They couldn't stop the run on cover two. If you look at them now, they're, when they do play cover two, they're playing a lot harder, jamming, matching. They're playing a lot more what we call quarters matching. They're playing a lot more man-to-man free. Now, they don't have a bunch of talent, but just schematically alone, they're going to make you earn it more than we did in the first down. I mean, it was just picking cherries. It was a turkey shoot, really, in that first game. And they've got some young talent. Uh, Greenard, you know, is really a good left end. I mean, I think he has eight sacks. And then Martin had a couple last week off the other edge. Um, you know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of amazing. Uh, the, the kid that's really playing good for him is Grugier Hill. Mm-hmm. The Grugier linebackers Hill. Yep. making a, a lot of plays. And their secondary has gotten better. Murray's making a lot of plays. And the guy that's really helped them is Desmond King, the, the corner mm-hmm. who's healthy now. He had a couple interceptions against Tennessee. So, you know, just to me, you know, they're still playing hard. You know, th- th- this is homecoming for them. This is their Super Bowl if they could upset us in, in Texas. I just expect a better, better structured, better overall team uh, we're going to look at here this week. All right, let's get out the blueprints. Let's find out how the Colts win this game right before the bye. Let's talk about the Texans on offense. Again, now guided by Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. The Texans are dead last in the NFL in scoring putting up less than 15 points per game. They've been held to under 14 points six games this season, including only three against the Colts way back in week number six. Rick, they are 32nd in rushing, 31st in passing. Um, They have the second most punts in the NFL because they go three and out almost 30% of the time on offense, which is the highest rate in the NFL. Um, Skill-wise, Brandon Cooks at receiver, he's having a really nice year. But other than that, not too many playmakers on that offensive unit. It's hard to see the Texans consistently moving the ball on the Colts in this game, Rick, despite the fact that they do have Taylor at quarterback now. No, I, I think you're right. But I think what you, you've, got to, you've got to instill in your defense, okay, is that there's a big difference in the five games Tyrod Taylor plays and the rest of those games. Agreed. There's a huge yeah. difference. I mean, like I said, in four of the five games, and I'm only bringing this up because I believe when you coach your team and you approach your team in a game like this, you have to approach it and you have to show your team how this team can be at their best, not at their worst. If they're at their worst, it's not going to be an issue. But you've got to show them how they have upset people. Mm-hmm. And with him at quarterback, they're 2-3. and three. They were 2-2 two and two going into last week, you know, as opposed to as bad as, as it looks. He had a 753 QBR against the Titans just two weeks ago. Now, that's a humongously high QBR. I gave you all his stats before. 
And in four of the five that he's quarterback, they've scored 22 plus. So the, the stat is a little bit distorted right. if you think about Taylor. I just have a lot of respect for that kid. I just think that kid's really good, and he, you know, he gives you problems. They run the NCAA stuff with him that they didn't with Mills. You know, that is zone reads, zone keeps, uh, naked bootlegs, option plays, uh, sprint out passes. I mean, you know, they can get on the edge, and that's been our Waterloo. We, I didn't even talk about that in my rant earlier, but – we have a terrible time on the edge, and this guy's another edge type of guy. Uh, you know, they got a couple decent running backs and obviously one good receiver. I think the the most important thing, here's here's the key must, and the big the big three are the first three, okay? First of all, you have to stop the runners cold, okay? You can't let them get any daylight. And what you really got to do is you really have to know both Eberfluss and the team – which running backs in the game? Because when Burkhead number 28 is in the game, they're going to run right at you. They're going to run tackle to tackle. He's a reckless thruster that will will take it north and south. He's had good moments in this league. Throw out his yards per carry with this offensive line. Just look at him, what he has done at times in the past, and we have to be very good. you got to play him from inside out. With Johnson, just the opposite. Johnson is a finesse back, David Johnson. He's their, also their pass back on third down. Uh, he, he may be best, actually, Matt, when they split him out. He's one of those backs that can split outside the formation and actually run some routes. And to me, that's when I've seen him at his best. You know, I, I've seen him turn down blitzers. I, he's disgusting at times. And I'll get into that with the, with the, with the rush plan because – you know, they, they their backs don't do a very good job on blitz, blitz pickup. But, number one, stop them cold, okay? If you stop the run, if you stop the run, in the in, and I'll get into the other, in the edge on Taylor, now you're going to make the worst offensive line, and I'm, I'm not backing off that in football. You know, Tunsil isn't playing. You know, they've had to, they've had to move guys out. Uh, you know, they had to move Howard out to tackle. They are desperate, and they are bad. And you, what you want to do is you want to take away that running game and that edge, and you want to make them throw all day and protect. Number two, you got to control Taylor both as a passer and a runner. Again, think of him as a poor man's Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. He can run all those college plays, so you have to have the answer. We've been pretty good at that against those running quarterbacks. We've actually been – pretty good, including Jackson. I mean, we've done a good job. And then, you know, control his scramble ability. I mean, he had a couple touchdowns last week. He, again, he's had 19 rushing touchdowns. So this kid can get it in the end zone himself. Again, take away that edge game, all that NCAA stuff, and then get after him. You know, he does play short at times. They list him at 6-1. I've never thought he was quite that he gets a lot of bat, you know, batted passes, and trust me, he's under siege with this quarterback. But you know, understand this is a very, very good athlete who's not awed by Sunday. This guy's played a million starts, and then you know, at the end of the day, and and I always talk about this, and it's one of my criticisms. You know, I think you always have to have a plan for their best guy, their top guy. And that's Cooks. I mean, and particularly with Amendola, I just saw that he's out for a month. They were kind of getting him back into the game at the slot. 
they're going to move Cooks all over. I mean, he's got 62 catches, three TDs, 704. He's not a speed merchant, but he is really a classic route runner. He did get over the top last week. You know, he can play outside. He can play inside. And with Amendola out, I mean, he's going to have even more burden on him because he's not surrounded with other guys. So in the end, you have to have a plan for him. And that doesn't mean that I don't, I'm not saying that you double him every down, but when you get to crunch time, you, he certainly can't, if you get, if you're tight in the fourth quarter, don't let him beat him. Just like when you play the bucks, don't let Gronkowski free. I mean, I'm not going to double him every down, but don't give him free access into the, into your day all day long. I mean, that's just, it's all, that, that borders on being disgraceful. Yeah. Number four, uh, number four in terms of your must here this week is, you know, there there are a couple role players that have come on a little bit. It seems like Taylor has more confidence. They're trying to get the young rookie uh, Collins, the big receivers, kind of a, kind of a little bit like Pittman. Yeah, the, Nico the Collins. out of yeah. Michigan. Yep. He reminds me of Pittman. And, you know, he's, they like to isolate him on the weak side. If you come over and play a Trips, for instance, you know, a little bit like a poor man's Evans. It just seems like that Taylor will try to get him the ball. And then the other kid that's kind of making a little bit of a run is another rookie is the Jordan kid, the tight end out of Miami. And they kind of, they're kind of using him occasionally. Uh, you know, they'll split three receivers to a side, isolate him back on the weak side. They'll run him in a slot and run little option routes. And I also get the feeling that all of a sudden either the coaching staff or probably more importantly, um, I think Taylor is really trying to get him the ball. Now, the fifth must, and this is a must, and this is why establishing the lead in this game and don't give them any reason to breathe or to live is we have to kill their offensive line in protection. They've moved Howard, who's a decent guard, to left tackle now without Tunsil. They've been through three guys, and he struggles. Heck is a backup, so you're really playing with two backups on the edge. Their interior is awful. Taylor now has been inserted to left tackle. I have no idea where he's from. I'd have to look up the Reader's Digest to find him. <laughs> Morrissey at center. McCray at the at the right guard. That is the worst inside trio in a decade. Okay. So, you know, you've got to be able to get ahead, set the edge, and just attack those guys. Just get three on three and get after them. The other thing is they cannot handle stunts or blitzes. If you get up in sugar and you give them double sinks or looks that look like inside overloads, they will turn down, and that kid gets hit off the edge constantly. So, you know, this is a game, overload that inside, bring it up in there, set the edge, and then occasionally overload and blitz your safeties and nickels off the edge, and it'll be a crucifixion. So those, <laughs> those are the key things you have to do on defense. The Reader's Digest. I haven't read one of those in about 20 years. That's awesome. They have good, clean jokes in there. I, <laughs> I subscribe simply when I have to make public speeches. I get some of my funny stuff out of there. <laughs> I love peeling back your onion, man. There's always, there's so many layers. It's so freaking awesome. <laughs> All right, let's switch over to the defense. That's obviously the stronger of the two units right now for the Texans. Um, they're giving up 26 points per game on this season. But like I said, Rick, they're playing much better lately in the last three games. They're giving up only 17 points per game, including 13 to the Titans and a win 
a couple of weeks ago. And just like the Colts, they've been feasting on takeaways to stay in these games. They have 20 takeaways for the year. That's fifth in the NFL. But they have 11 takeaways on defense in the last three games, including five against Tennessee. Um, Jonathan Grenard having a really good season at defensive end. He's got eight sacks. Camus Grugier-Hill, he's a good player at linebacker. He's emerging. He's got seven tackles for loss on the year. And then Justin Reed, he's always a good player at safety, but um, he did not play last week because he violated team rules. He got into an argument with head coach David Coley in a team meeting last week, so he got sat down. So tell us more about the Texans on defense and what challenges they pose to this Colts offense in the second go-around here. Yeah, I absolutely slaughtered him when we got ready to play him the first time, and I was right. But mm-hmm. I will say that they have made some significant changes tactically, and some of their young kids are coming on a little bit. And I would say that the defense, though still not formidable, is definitely, if you look at their stats, they're almost all on an upward trajectory. Yeah. Okay. If you look at their pass defense, you know, they've gone from like 27th to 15th. You know, in sacks, they've gone from 18 to 15. And a lot of those have been in the last month. And so, you know, and, and as you said, you know, they're kind of a poor man's Colts. It's the, it's the same system, basically, that plays with a lot of vision. So the 20 turnovers, you know, really is has them at one of the top teams in the league. It's their survival mechanism, you know, very much uh, like the Colts are. So, you know, it's gonna, you're going to have to earn separation. Uh, you're going to have to earn your yardage. It's not, I, don't believe, I don't believe it'll come as easy uh, as it did, and I hope it does. You know, that would be great. But they've made some, some strategic, you know, changes, as I said before. They're playing their cover two a lot harder now with tight jams on the outside, and they're starting to match people underneath. They're not just running out of there to spots, and that's made them tougher. A lot of uh, quarters and, and, and quarter, quarter, half, you know, which uh, also they match underneath, and then just some more man-to-man, one hole. And so what that's done is it's just made it harder for you to work in there, and it's bought a little bit of time. I always say that, and nobody understands what I say, but a lot of times if you close the passing lanes quick and you make the quarterback hold it a little bit, that gives you a rush, that extra step. Sometimes it's just a millisecond, but it really matters. And, you know, when you look at them, though, it's still to the core, a lot of cover three, a lot of single high on early down with pressures from the nickel, or the safety, you know, and then, on, you know, on second and long, it was pressure, cover two, cover one. And, again, the 20 takeaways is significant. And also the sack total up recently is, is extremely good. Now, I think, you know, they're very basic up front. Other than some perimeter blitzes, they're in over almost every down. And they are still, in my opinion, they're really average to below average inside. I, I still think – that they're really you can pound right at them, pound at Cunningham. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that you can get after this team. You know, we had that huge game, uh, you know, rushing. I mean, Jonathan had the big run, uh, you know, but he had, a, he had a monster game. We had a monster game totally against them uh, in, the, in the first game. And, and, and I think that can happen again. I think you pound the bubble, and then you expect them to stunt to stop it very much like the Colts do, and that's why the Colts get beat on the edge so much. They're always bringing their ends down inside, and teams simply take the bubble run and bounce it to the edge. 
And we've got to be ready to do that because that's their method of stopping it. You're exactly right, Groovier Hill. He's been really a playmaker. He's got strips, sacks, picks, passes, defended. Murray, you're right, you know, Reed did not play, but Murray's also been a playmaker. Um, Mitchell, two interceptions, uh, number 25. He's their one corner. Uh, obviously, two picks versus the Titans. I think Thomas is solid at the nickel. Their biggest weakness in the coverage element is their corner, their two-corner Mitchell, number 39. And they, they really tried to play Lonnie Johnson. He had been at safety. They've kind of moved him back to corner, and I wouldn't be surprised if they make that change before we play him. There's no real ambient front guys play after play, but you've aptly said Greener absolutely uh, really having a good young career with eight sacks. And Martin looked very good last week off the edge, off the right edge. So they've got two, I think, legitimate edge guys. Blaylock and Collins, they don't play consistently, but if they get some momentum, they they can they can get after you. It, again, uh, Greener, Martin, Grugier Hill, and King, uh, and, and Murray are the guys that really beat you. Again, we can pound them in the bubble. I think we can read their coverage, even though they've improved it. You can look almost on the first step. Their safeties will tell you what they're in, whether they're in two, four, or some form of three or man. I mean, you can, you can, you know, they're very predictable on the first step. Again, if you also give them some slots or some speeds, get your wide receivers over. Lovey will, he'll bring his corners over if it's man to man. If it's zone, they'll stay home. So you can get a lot of things. I still think they're a soft front team, and I don't think that's changed. And I think overall they're a poor grab tackling team. I, I think big plays will be there. And I always say when you play a team like this, you know, think, think touchdowns, not first downs. On the on the must. Now this is a different game again. This is this is not like Tampa. Now they've got we've got to make them prove they can stop Taylor. This is you know yeah. more like we played two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. No you doubt. know he broke their back in October, 145. He had a 10-4. Of course the you know the big 83 yard run made a difference. Sure. And they have to stunt and blitz to stop the run which opens them up for big plays on the edge and down the field. Just attack them and, and maul them. They're under-talented in the front, and they're limited. Number two, you want to attack their pass coverage a couple different ways. One, they still play a lot of simple zone on first down. There you want real quick rhythm passes and work into the, in the cover two holes. That is down the middle or on the outside, which I call this adjustment seam, which is in between the corner and the safety. Those are the vulnerabilities there. Uh, you know, again, I think you can read their coverage very quickly. Uh, you may force them to play a lot of man-to-man and load the box. And if, if you do that, then you have to earn separation and win. I like play action against them. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then play action They've got to commit eight guys to stop the run. There's no way they cannot do that. And with being a zone team, even if you're trying to match, if you if you give play action, it freezes people and they can't get out of there. They really can't. And so I think play action is there. Anything, when you're playing against a team that is not real talented, and particularly in the front seven, you want to do things that separate players and separate the front from the back, or the inside from the outside. Now, two things separate players with Tampa. 
I mean, excuse me, with Texans, number one is if you play action, that freezes seven, and that separates the front from the back end. Big, big, huge holes in there. And then the screen passes on the outside, you know, because in that situation, you know, you've got a lot of guys inside, boom, you get it outside, get them in a space game, make make them tackle in space. I think number four, and this, this is really important, is they play a little bit better. If you look at them statistically all season long, they play a little bit better defending the red zone because they, their, their limited athleticism, this, the red zone is tighter. There's not a lot of more area that they have to defend. So I think we really have to think that we have got to win one-on-one in every, in every situation, whether it's run pass, and it's going to all be about execute. This is about execution, not tricking them. And then I think the last thing, and I think this is really critical, and we did a great job of this in the first game, and I think this still doesn't change. Think explosive plays. Think explosive, yep. explosive plays. Colts had eight chunk zone. plays against them in that first game. Yeah, yeah, we had we had big bombs mm-hmm. against cover two. We had the 83-yard run. We had several plays over 20, and they don't tackle well, period. They don't angle well. They don't tackle well. So my thing is when you have that ball in your hand, you have that mindset, just think, touchdown, not first down. And if we do that, I think we'll continue to get big plays. That's good stuff on the blueprints. Offense, defense on the Colts and their quest to knock off the Texans for the fourth straight time and sweep the season series for the second year in a row. And in closing here, Rick, I think if I'm a player for the Colts, my motto this week would be one more and let's go. Right, One more game before the bye. 13 brutal games here without a week off. Let's roll it out one more time. Let's toughen up one more time. Let's go get the job done and then have a much, much needed week off. Let's get healthy. But at the same time, take nothing for granted because if the Colts lose this game, it's really, really damaging to their playoff hopes. From here on out, it's playoff football because of how much these games mean to your hopes of playing football in late January and February. You're absolutely right, and I'll just reverse your thinking. Even that, and I, I agree with you total. One, you got to treat every game now. This is de facto playoffs. Once mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is here for us, these are playoff games. Honest to God, and that's why I emphasize the danger in a team. They're more dangerous with Tyrod Taylor. Yep. Their defense is a little bit better. They all they want to do is hang in on you, hang in on you, and then try to play sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. We've got to go in there, like you say. And with a take it mentality, come out ready on fire. We're the attacker. We're not going in there just to take it away from them. We're going in there to destroy them and take away their will early. If you can establish a lead on a team like this and then step on the gas, they won't have it. Give them zero reason to believe, zero reason to live. And you're exactly right. I think this is so important. We win this game. We go in seven and six into that bye. We get needed rest for guys like Leonard oh, yeah. and Nelson Buckner. and everybody else who yep. really need a buy desperately. And then we come out for that final four. And honestly, in that final four, if we can't win three out of four, Matt, we really don't belong in there. So let's, uh, you're exactly right. Get this thing under our belt, take a really deep breath, mm-hmm. and then press on. That's Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, Inside Football, my friend. 
Can I borrow some of those Reader's Digest coming up on Sunday? Can you bring some of those to you the game? You know what? I will bring them to you. I, <laughs> I do save them. I save them for those jokes. They've got the they've got the cleanest tumor. So you know, sometimes when I'm on the circuit, I, I I'll I'll dig into one of those and change it just a little bit, make it a football analogy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love a good clean joke. A good intelligent joke goes a long way, my friend. All right, pal. Always uh, enjoy the time. Fantastic breakdown as always. Enjoy the rest of the week. Rest up and get ready for a Week 13 uh, showdown before the home stretch, Rick. All right, Matt. Let's go get it. You got it. We'll see you on Sunday. Rick Venturi, I'm Matt Taylor. That's all for today. We're back at it next week on the bye talking Colts. But for now, it's all about the Colts and the Texans at NRG Stadium in Houston as the Colts go for the season sweep against their AFC South rivals. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next week on Inside Football. Inside Football.